Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, welcome to the show. Didn't we have fun on the show yesterday with the old Ethiopia team back together again? Yeah, it was good. It was good. good. But now it's just like, I'm just... I'm just coming for every position now. Lawson's learned all the jobs. I can do everything. You can do you can do lead host, you can do co-host, you can do producing. Yeah. Is there anything is there anything you can't do? Um well there's one thing that I haven't done and it's kicked you guys out of your jobs yet. Oh, I see. Okay. So that's, right. that's 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 the so next step. We are we are here step. by your benevolence. That's right. That's right. You should be glad. Okay, I'm <laughs> Thank thankful, me. I'm thankful that uh, for Lawson's benevolence this morning that I still have a job. <laughs> I wield the power. That's so funny. I've never, I've never felt so powerful before. I've never felt so important. Uh, what are you grateful enjoy, for, Lyle? Enjoy the moment. I, I will. Because that's all it will be. Nah, it's not going to be a moment. I'm the future. I'm, I'm, I'm younger than you are. They can underpay me for longer. So that's a joke. That was it. Yes, yeah, so uh, I had a really interesting discussion with a whole bunch of politicians last night about religious liberty. And if I get time, I'm going to talk about it this morning. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was. It was. It was fascinating. You know politicians? Well, I do now. Oh, that's that's a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> Having a bit of a local meet and greet in the mighty town of Weston. Ah, oh, epic. Oh yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Anyway, let's talk about the weather. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to Scarlet Thread right there with Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go here on The Breakfast Show and coming through on the text message. Uh, this little message right here, Lawson is really management material. <laughs> I couldn't let do me anything let worse. Me finish. Lawson is really management material. Power hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to say organised. <laughs> Motivated. Uh, yes. Oh, man, I couldn't think of anything worse than managing people. Oh, like it sends shivers down my spine, like being responsible for things. Ooh, yikes. Yeah, well, um, being responsible for things is um, kind of important. <laughs> anyway. At some point. Our, our text message right here, our text number is 0491 If you've got a, uh, a comment you'd like to make, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you've got a question for question of the day, mm. uh, we're starting to get... We, we seem to get these in clumps. We're starting to get to the end of a clump. And so we'd love to hear some questions from you that we can mm-hmm. put in for question of the day. All right. Speaking of clumps, uh, for 100 points on our quiz, what was the first name of the traitorous disciple uh, Iscariot? Okay. What, if, was his, what was his first name? What was his first name? 0491 is the number to call for 100 points. You can win yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get your points on the board. Uh, if you get every single question co- correct, you can win every single prize. But again, that question was, what was the first name of the traitorous disciple Iscariot? Iscari- I'm just like, because I've got all the info in front of me, I'm like so close to saying it. It's like nerve wracking. Because it, this is a 100 point. It's very easy, guys. I know it's on the tip of your guys' tongue. So 0491-064-669. Text us. Call us. Let us know. Yes, indeed. I wonder whether ever happened to that last name. It kind of disappeared, didn't it? Yeah. Kind of like... Kind of like with the first 
Name is let's not even. Yeah, let's not even go. We we just got to stay away from it, else we're going to give it away. Let's Uh talk about positively different news. Change the subject very fast. Okay, before we give the answer away. Positively different news, Lyle. So we we've heard of like um, CO two and like carbon neutral energy Mm -hmm. and whatnot. You know, so people aiming to be to to have carbon neutrality. But have you ever heard of carbon negative technology? Uh, like trees. Yeah. Trees are great. I love trees. But that, like, yeah, so technology that actively reduces the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. Yes. God created this technology about 6,000 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and he did an amazing job of it. We've since seemed to mess it up a little bit, but um, carbon negative technology is uh, pretty pretty cool stuff. Well, in Turkey, um, they have built Europe's first large-scale biorefinery uh, that turns algae into jet fuel. Okay. And also feedstocks, um, and has been completed. It's it's on the the Black Sea shore there in Istanbul, and it eats carbon at the same time. Yeah, that's right. So algae, algae is green. That's right. Algae is like way more efficient at eating carbon than trees are. Like it it is like the the thing. Um, so basically, they have this like refinery set up, and they have a bunch of algae there, and it eats all this carbon, and then it is processed into, as I said, either jet fuel or fee- feedstocks, which or, creates carbon, which creates carbon. But then it because eats. this is the other thing about trees, trees also create carbon. Yeah, when you burn them, is that or when they die? Or when they die? Yeah, okay. Or burn them? Or when you burn? Either them. which way? Mm-hmm. When they die, all the carbon that is in them goes back to the atmosphere, so it just mm-hmm. it just circulates. Mm-hmm. But then this plant is fully run by wind energy. So it's got... This is Turkey. This is Turkey, I wasn't expecting to see this come out of Turkey. Yeah, no, Turkey is apparently super, super climate change woke they're like <laughs> they're really they're really on it here they're getting it done so um well it's it's a partnership between turkey and the european union they've they've put this factory here um and yeah it is yeah like i said completely powered by wind power um sucks up carbon with algae um creates a bunch of different things from jet that fuel. jet fuel yeah that's right uh because now planes can be vegan which is great you do, you don't need to to run planes off. can be vegan planes Oh, planes can be vegan. Yeah. Okay, so you can go on a, on a vegan plane. That's right. Well, uh, I, algae. I remember I, I talked about a story where they had the first ever flight on an aeroplane where the jet fuel was made, like, totally out of, like, renewable, like, basically, like, from vegetables and stuff, you know. Um, and, or this kind of, this kind of method here, you know, turning, absorbs CO2 into into fuel. Um, so now, like, because of, like, refineries... Of like in the Second World War, you know, when Japan obviously didn't have any oil reserves of their own and were running very low on oil, towards, you know, particularly towards the end of the war, they were, they were running all of their aircraft and so forth on plant-based fuels. Yeah, but they stopped that because no one could get rich from doing that, okay, Lyle. <laughs> right. Whereas now it seems like all of a sudden people are scared of the world blowing up and so they... they, they don't, well, they, they see that the world's blowing up and they're like, ah. Oh, this is an opportunity yes. to get rich doing something else, you know. So, and if you can get rich making the world a better place, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to yeah, be like, yeah, go for go, it. Go get, get it done. Do that. Get it Do done. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, like, this is a real model. Uh, obviously, that's why Turkey's in partnership with the European Union um, because they're like, they want to chuck one of these in Turkey and in France and in Germany. They want to chuck them everywhere. They just want to build these refineries that have the ability to create fuel. And, like, at the moment, they're just making jet fuel because I think that's the 
scale of this particular plant. But if you put these plants everywhere, then you can make fuel for a lot more things than jets. Um, you can make all kinds of, you know, different, like algae itself is, um, it's really like the, the, the palm tree of plants. You know, we kind of, there's like lots of, lots of uses for palm. And, uh, unfortunately, because of that, there's lots of like deforestation and whatnot. But algae has uh, many, many uses. And, uh, they're just kind of exploring that at the moment. And I've shared before on radio how algae is being used to absorb, you know, the CO2 and, um, absorb sunlight and turn that into energy. Like this really is, um, algae seems to be the future. There you go. You have to grow some, put a pond in your backyard and start That's growing right. some algae. That's right. And then you get paid. And, and then maybe you can run that in your motorbike. <laughs> correct, correct. So this is what we need. We need to each. They need to develop small algae farms so that we can produce our own fuel. Yeah, that will never happen. Like oil companies will not allow that. They, that's right. That's right. <laughs> like if you have an algae processor happen. in your backyard, like mm-hmm. that would be incredible. That would but, be amazing. But it would save our would save our fuel prices as they are right now. That's for sure. Oh yikes! Yeah. Okay. That's the other thing. I didn't even think about that. If we can have algae fuel, hopefully it's cheaper than current fuel because i'm i'm not enjoying filling up my car i mean no, i am it. like dreading it my my fuel light just came on and i need to fill up for the weekend and i'm like i'll just pray instead nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right i got stuff to do um oh in other news uh, i reported about two weeks ago three weeks ago about how airbnb they were like um sponsoring a bunch of different um, stays right across the Ukraine and raising money for that. And in 48 hours, they had raised enough money for 61,406 nights, you know, or, or places to stay. Um, but then over the following week, um, they raised, which equated to essentially $1.9 million. And then over the following week, they raised another $15 million, which equates to 4,000, uh, 434,000 nights. Uh, 434,000 stays um, right across Europe um, for people flu- fl- uh, fleeing the Ukraine um, and refugees and whatnot. So this is obviously amazing. Like, this is an incredible thing, you know, helping those uh, in need. But I was also happy to see that one of the biggest contributors to this fundraising was my uh, number one in my heart, the Utah Jazz, <laughs> my, my favorite basketball team. Uh, but yeah, no, this is amazing. Obviously, like the majority of this funding came from just people, like, you know, whether it be GoFundMes or different fundraising campaigns, people from all over the world putting in money and then a couple of different com- companies getting behind uh, this as well. Um, so yeah, it's just incredible to see philanthropy um, work in an incredibly dire situation and Absolutely. people being generous. Uh, it's it's good. We need to see more generosity in our world right now. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're about to talk about more serious news. Before we do, let's have another clue for uh, another question for our quiz. What four words of bad advice did Job's wife have for her husband? Zero four nine one zero six four. Six six nine. Man, I don't know if I could call this advice. The only survivor of Job's family. I wonder why Satan kept her alive. Yeah, wow. She was kind of on Satan's side. This is she, this she, is so wasn't, wasn't, hectic. It wasn't good advice. I don't think I could call this advice. I think I, this is just an attack. Like this is just a 
This is really anyway. evil. Anyways, uh, for 200 points, you can net yourself an issue of Science Magazine, or you can get your points on the board and continue your way through the quiz and answer every question correctly and win every single prize. Uh, but again, that question was... Uh, what four words of bad advice did Job's wife have for her husband? 0491-064-669. Okay, give us a call on that number if you know the answer. Talking about some more serious news. So mm. I did an uh, interesting little uh, group got together last night at the local workers' club, mm. just a couple of hundred metres from where I live. And so I wandered over to talk to politicians from various... It was basically a group of minor parties, mm. um, and it was an opportunity for minor parties to... To get together and to explain their policies. You know, mm. I've got an election coming up and that kind of thing. And so, of course, my uh, issue that I really wanted to talk to them about was religious liberty mm-hmm. because if you go to the minor parties' websites, you see nothing on this issue. Uh, we see that uh, ScoMo is trying to push through a, anti-discrimination, a religious anti-discrimination bill. Uh, not even his whole party will support that. It seems to have become a something that has been taken for granted in Australia for a very, very long time mm. has never has never had any kind of legal protection because it hasn't really needed it until now, and now it's become the hottest potato imaginable, so hot that nobody wants to touch it. Mm. And so... Uh, there was representatives there from the uh, Cannabis Party, from Informed Medical Options Party, uh, from the UAP, United Australia Party, and One Nation. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it was an opportunity that I had to talk to them all about religious liberty. Um, the Cannabis Party, the guy didn't stay around long enough to ask questions. And that's probably a good thing because I had a whole slew of questions for him that had nothing to do with religious liberty and everything to do with health and why would you legalize you know another mind-altering drug yeah i was gonna say the cannabis party was there like hopefully they didn't hear what you said on radio about that but hopefully they did hear because yeah they probably need to hear that's right i mean it it frustrates me that the 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 guy who was who was was there for the cannabis party was uh sharing some very good history on the history of cannabis and very bad history on the history of prohibition Mm. And then talking about how that media and media narratives affect the history and we shouldn't just believe what the media says. And I'm thinking, and you are believing everything the media has ever said about prohibition. Mm-hmm. Because the people in the media didn't like prohibition, they liked alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so that was that was interesting. The Informed Medical Opinions um, Party, I spoke to the uh, representative there, and they don't have a. They're kind of a, a one, a one, uh, one issue party, a one issue party. And so, outside of that issue, it's like, well, I'm here to represent the uh, my electorate, mm-hmm. and so in forming policy, I find out what the electorate wants. Mm. The problem with that, of course, is that is what we call mob rule because it is ruled by, by majority, and ruled by majority. Um, affords protections to majority that don't need protections because mm-hmm. majority is already automatically protected merely by the fact that it's a majority. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my um, issue there. One Nation, they didn't stay around to answer questions either. Uh, UAP probably gave the strongest answer. Uh, they also don't have a religious liberty, a policy on religious liberty or the anti-discrimination bill. Uh, but what the representative did say was that, well, you can't, you can't campaign on freedom, 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 and then not jolly well come through on freedom across the board for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
that was that was his words on in, in in relationship to that. But it seems that for all of these parties, it's a little bit of a hot potato, and so they're going to campaign on the areas where they know that they can create unity, get themselves elected, and then they are in a position that they can, you know, um, have a say on these other issues of uh, religious liberty and religious freedom as well. So it'll be very interesting. Watch this space as the election continues. Uh, we know where the major parties stand on this. We know mm-hmm. where the Greens stand on it. We know where Liberal and Labor stand on it. Uh, I think there are a lot of people out there looking at minor parties right now and... Uh, we need to know where they stand on it mm. as well. Okay, moving on from there, I did say that we would talk about black summer bushfires. A new study that's come out of the uh, University of Waterloo, um, published in the journal Science, that has looked at the atmospheric impacts of the uh, black summer bushfires. And for the first time, they have noted the first time. This is the first time they've ever noted that bushfires have actually caused a change in the stratosphere. Um, which, of course, is between 10 and 30 kilometres above the Earth, and uh, that it has uh, depleted the ozone quite considerably for that year. Wow. And so typically the ozone fluctuates, you know, a few percentage, 2 to 3%, something like that. Uh, but we had a 15% depletion in the wow. year of the black summer bushfires, which is pretty massive. And what you've got to remember is what a lot of people forget is that a lot of the smoke, because you, know, you remember the smoke haze, yeah. a lot of that smoke had, <clears throat> when, when it was sitting over the top of us, had already been around the world and was coming in from the west when mm. it hit us here on the east coast. It, be, it went around the world twice. Wow. You know, that smoke was in New Zealand, it was in South America. It came back around and gave us a second hit. Mm. Um, so these were, you know, pretty much off-the-record bushfires and interesting to see the kind of impact that they were having on the atmosphere. And this is the kind of thing that I guess we should expect the nearer we get to the return of Christ. Uh, Jesus said that our earth will grow old and wear out like a garment, and that's kind of what we're seeing. Then we've got this other story, and uh, Mike Pence and uh, Edward Graham uh, from uh, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham, uh, Samaritan's Purse uh, charity have just been at the border of uh, the Ukraine. And Mike Pence uh, making, making the statement that Americans are standing with the Ukrainians in prayer. And the question that goes through my mind at this particular point is, okay, what side is God taking in this conflict? Mm. You've got the Russian Orthodox on one side, you've got the Ukrainian Orthodox on the other side. Is God taking sides in this conflict? Mm. Uh, and, and how do we as Christians actually deal with it? Who do we pray for? And I think the real answer is that we don't pray for Russia Russia or Ukraine. We pray for people because people are suffering. We pray for innocent people who are suffering right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's my burden right there rather than, you know, from a Christian perspective saying, well, you know, this side's in the right or that side's in the right. When it comes to, po- comes to politicians, the thing that you very, very quickly learn is that it is most likely that both sides are in the wrong. Mm. There are two wrongs here. And this is why we have a conflict. But it's good to see a bunch of humanitarian work happening. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is sending another 747 cargo plane of supplies over. They're sending a field hospital over. Um, The thing that goes through my mind is the difference in the way that we are treating the Ukrainian refugees than we've treated other refugees. We have treated other refugees from other parts of the world with suspicion. Yes. You're coming here to our country illegitimately to take our stuff mm. and to take our jobs. Now, I'm not talking about illegal immigrants. I'm talking about refugees. Mm. And the world needs to bear the burden, needs to share the burden of refugees. 
Um, so you've got you know 54 million in uh, the first lot of uh, US government aid. They're now adding another 53 million. Uh, this is in humanitarian aid. Um, and you know when you look at the massive amounts of aid that are being sent to Ukraine, the question that goes through my mind is how much aid are we sending to Yemen? Dude, yeah, for real. You know, here's an entire nation that is starving to death. They've got like four, five different factions that are fighting each other That's there. Right. Mm. The conflict has been there for like ever over the last five years or whatever, you know, maybe 10 years. I don't even know how long it's been going for. How much aid are we sending mm. there? How many field hospitals are we sending there? What are we doing in Yemen? Mm. Why do we care so much about Ukraine and so little about Yemen? You know, I, it, it seems to me, and it, and it comes across to me, as there's a tremendous amount of hypocrisy here. Mm. You know, you don't have the same religion as me, uh, so you, let, you matter less. Mm. Uh, what about Syria? You know, Syria was driven by war yeah. with a whole bunch of different factions fighting each other, and we all took different sides in that particular conflict and wasted a lot of resources and lives in that conflict where we could have been providing aid and how much of the better place would our world have been if we had actually gone in with aid rather than with bombs in a war that we didn't really need to worry about. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And now for 300 points. What part of Jesus' body did a sinful woman anoint with perfume and kiss during a dinner at a Pharisee's house? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 300 points, you can net yourself a pocket sermon or get those points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, what part of Jesus' body did a sinful woman anoint with perfume and kiss during a dinner at a Pharisee's house. 0491-064-669. And joining us in the studio this morning is Bruce Thompson to talk about hydrotherapy. Bruce, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. It's uh, been quite a number of months since you were last here. Last time, of course, uh, for those of you who probably have forgotten uh, Bruce because it was a while back, mm. uh, Bruce's area of expertise and his area, has been his area of expertise for a very, very long time is hydrotherapy. And so this is something that you will often hear about if you go to, say, for instance, a health spa or something like that. But hydrotherapy is really something that is, I guess, simple, effective, and can be more a part of your life than just, you know, uh, that time that you treat yourself at a health spa to a, a you know, a, a one-off treatment or something or other. Uh, Bruce, history of hydrotherapy, uh, this was something that was around, you know, 100 years ago, Back then, it was treating more acute illnesses. Is is that more what it was about? Yeah, that's that's correct. Basically, back in those days, that's what people died of: um, infections, accidents, fevers, and so forth. Yeah. And of course, that became incredibly relevant at the height of COVID. Yes, and so that's that's sort of what brought it back into lots of people's focus again. Yeah. Where are we up to with COVID now? Are we still using hydrotherapy? Is it still relevant or is COVID sort of... We, we seem to feel like, oh, it's dying off, it's over, let's move on with our lives. That's the, the general impression that is out there. What are you seeing on the health front? I'm still getting calls from people about who are using the Hydro for COVID website and asking questions. And I, every time you're sick, it's really important to you. You want to get better quickly. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So for the people, I, I think population level, obviously a lot of people have had COVID and recovered and so there's sort of an immunity out there to, to some extent. But if you're the person with it today, you, you want to get better. And frankly, if you start early, 
good hydrotherapy will basically knock it off in three days. You'll be back. You'll be feeling great. You probably shouldn't go back into the society for a few more days. <laughs> yes. But yes, basically, hydrotherapy is a very powerful uh, way of fighting fevers. Okay, so we've talked about this before, and we've talked about the uh, the use of hydrotherapy. Um, and you know, last time we talked about COVID and so forth. Uh, before we want we move on to talk about lifestyle diseases, of course, if there's a listener out there who has COVID or you know, potentially catches it in the next few weeks or whatever it might be and wants to knock it on the head in three days, as you're talking about, where do they go to find information how to do that using hydrotherapy? The hydro4, that's number four, covid.com. So hydro, the number four, covid.com. Correct. And um, that that will apply to probably 90% of fevers. Yes. Um the way you tell if it's what you need is, yeah, you look forward to something hot, basically. Right. Because the ten percent of fevers where you say, no, nah, don't put, I want to go c- get cool. That's, um, but ninety percent of fevers are. It's like when you've, you, you, oh, I've got a rug up. I want to yeah. crawl under the blankets and pile them on the thick. sun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if you're feeling that way, then go to hydro, hydroforcovid.com, and you'll find the procedures all yeah. outlined for you. There. Right on the front page is the. Standard treatment if you're starting to feel the sore throat or whatever. Yep. Starting to feel feverish, that's what you do. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so, um, you know, hydrotherapy really came to the fore, dealing with these acute kind of illnesses, fevers and so forth, saved millions of lives, you know, across the world, you know, back in the day. And now we're finding that the biggest killers we have, you know, because we seem to, you know, most tre- fevers and so forth we treat with uh with, uh, you know, uh, antibiotics and so forth. Uh, but now our big killers, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune disease, those kind of things, does hydrotherapy have a place with those kinds of diseases? The principles certainly do. Um, the reason is that healing from anything involves your immune system and hydro and what hydrotherapy does the sort that's on the hydroforcovid.com is increase your body temperature for a while. Um, what you're aiming at is three days in that case. Basically, you maintain a slightly higher um, temperature for uh, three days and for um, 48 hours. If you do three days of treatment, the third treatment's about 48 hours after the first. And... Um, it only has to be like 37 degrees. So that's a very slight rise in body temperature. In fact, there's some people who run at 37 degrees. But if you kept your body temperature 37 degrees, there's, there's studies out there that show that you will kill 99.9% of all the COVID in your body. COVID's very sensitive to heat. But um, what we're finding is... And we don't call it hydrotherapy now. It's using the principles of hydrotherapy, but using things like infrared saunas and cryotherapy tanks. Neither of them involve water, so you can't call it hydrotherapy. Um, And so with thermotherapy, we do the same things, but much more gently. So if someone comes into us and the people we're working with are people who have, and this applies to long COVID too, they have a chronic fatigue sort of, they're really tired. And so if you were to put them in a bathtub and then you know, give them an ice bath afterwards or something, it really knocks them around. They, they haven't got the, the stamina to cope with that. So you give them a, 
some time and you watch them carefully too that as soon as they, it starts to wear down on them, you stop heating them up and you put them in the cryotherapy for as long as they're happy to be there. And um, sometimes that's only a few seconds. But uh, after three days of that, the same 48 hours, they're already starting to feel more energy. And a lot of people will say, I haven't felt this well for maybe years. Now, that's very interesting because, you know, you, you talk about that in relationship to autoimmune diseases and, um, you know, chronic fatigue. What about in relationship to, say, for instance, heart disease? Because, you know, if you take somebody, put them in a fever bath, raise their body temperature, you know, for X amount of time and then, you know, throw them into an ice bath straight after that and they've got a heart condition, I would imagine that would be pretty hard on the heart. Do you have, uh, so, with these new treatments, are they, uh, are they you, you talk about them being more gentle? They are. They're really gentle. And what when you look back and seeing these results has actually made me go and look back at what they actually did back in the old days. And the best hydrotherapists around 1900 were very gentle. You'll find they, they treated people just enough even back then. And it's even more important now because basically when you've, all you've got wrong is something's infected you. Um, like COVID, you were pretty well before. So, you know, we can do strong treatments. But somebody who's had a chronic illness and, as you say, heart disease, those sort of people, you have to be much more careful with the way you treat them. And so that's why the the sauna is much nicer because if they do get into trouble, you don't have to drag them out of a bath, you know, hard work and um, dangerous too because they can drown or whatever. But... Um, in a in an infrared sauna, you just open the door, turn it off. It's it's right, um, and you can keep much more of an eye on them comfortably, and they can pull out any time. It's easy. You just open the door and come out. So I think of a, a of a traditional sauna where you've got the hot rocks and the and the mm. spoonful of water, and you pour it on there, and the temperature goes up and down while you're in there. Um, I'm thinking the infrared sauna would be a lot more even than that, same mm. temperature the whole time, a temperature that you set uh, rather than, you know, in a, in a normal sauna, you sort of, well, you don't know what the temperature is going to be once you once you pour that water on the rocks. It's just well, going to... Well, a normal sauna can get you, you can get up to 80, 90 degrees. I remember my <laughs> first sauna, I was, only a, I was only a kid, it nearly killed me, I thought. But uh, the, the serious point is that, yes, it is much more controllable and... Heart disease has got the most research done on infrared saunas. There's been a lot. Of, there's been a number of randomised controlled trials, and for um, congestive heart failure, this is a major treatment. It'll get people out of palliative care wards back home for at least for a short time. Um, it gets them that much better. Yeah. So why what why is it working? I mean, we understand that you know. Raising the temperature artificially is going to trigger the immune system to, uh, you know, to send out more white blood cells and this kind of thing, which is, we know how that makes sense for a, a disease like, you know, virus, bacteria, that kind of stuff, because we want to have those white back blood cells going out there and fighting the virus. Uh, but if you've just got blocked arteries or if you've got an autoimmune disease, why does that work? Well, it, it's actually... 
are really wonderful. We didn't sort of understand the, the guys who invented this, and this is going way back to Abraham's time. We're not talking about recent. It's been going for thousands of years. Yes. And they didn't know and why. And there's been quite a number of cultures that have a very, very long tradition of hydrotherapy, you know, sauna therapies or steam mm. therapies. Um, you know, I can think of uh, Native Americans would do steam baths. You've got uh, up in Scandinavia they invented the sauna. This goes goes back a very, very well, long way. Well, more likely than that, our hot pools here in New South Wales, if the Aboriginal language for was in some areas, they're healing places. And That's you so. only have to go to Rotorua and the Maori, we've, we've got photos of traditional Maori healing in the pool. So so it's it's, Sensational. it's every part of the world. Yeah. Um we sort of know it, but it's been developed mo- it developed most strongly in the United States, but um by around 1900 was sort of peak hydro where it was recommended by yeah, the top doctors in the world. It wasn't just sort of a little side group. This is what was in the medical textbook. So what our my grandfather's doctor would have been trained with a textbook that often for fevers especially the first treatment was hydrotherapy mm. in the traditional textbook. So this isn't out there. This is standard medicine, or it was in 1900. Um, why it works for these ones is that it produces what's called a canonical heat shock response, if we do it properly. A canonical heat shock response is one of the main pillars of a network called the proteostasis network which supports every protein in our body. Now, we have about a billion varieties of proteins in us. (laughs) Just a few. And when you raise your body temperature, and especially if you keep it maintained, but even if you raise it just a degree or so, and you aren't exercising, your body says, well, something must be going on, and it starts a thing called um, immune surveillance, where inside the cell, every cell in your body. So for a a three-day treatment, by the time you're finished, every single cell in your body, the trillion cells you've got, um, is inspected by these heat shock proteins, they call them. They inspect every protein and make sure it's all working properly. Now, every disease involves proteins in some way or another. And then outside the cells... The cells are expected, the um, immune cells go around, the ones in the blood and the ones in the tissues, check out all the cell surfaces and say, oh, you're producing, because on our cell surfaces we have proteins produced. And so what they do is the immune cells can tell if there's bad things going on in there. And it depends what they find. If they find a COVID infection, they'll start the immune, typical immune response, you know, the the innate immune response and then the adaptive immune response. But if they find, say, cancer, they'll st- say they'll start a different sort of immune response. But what they find in something like um, uh, if any of the like heart disease, for instance, yeah, for instance, heart, yeah, yeah, they'll find that the um, that there's inflammation along the side of the uh, of the blood vessels because that every that's the common factor in all the diseases of the 21st century that kill people. They've all got inflammation of some sort. So dementia, you've got inflammation in your brain. And so they'll find, they find the problem and about 48 hours later, 
they then, it goes from immune surveillance, finds the problem, deals with it immediately what it can. But what's even more important is that afterwards, after 48 hours, if you do a canonical by the book heat shock response, it will turn off the inflammatory part. And what I think we're doing with people who have chronic fatigue, say, maybe for a decade and certainly heart disease for a couple of decades, they are pushed down by that, by the um, res- the resolving of the heat shock response will push their whole body into less inflammation than maybe it's been for decades. So the hydrotherapy is actually dealing with the inflammation. Mm, because it's found that's the problem. Yes. There's, a, there's an inflammatory thing here. So it won't necessarily clear the blockage out of the artery. No, it doesn't. But what the blockage is there, they're finding now, especially this is with heart disease, that the plaque is trying to protect the, the blood vessel walls. It's a protection layer. It's, that's, that's what it's trying to protect itself. So if the blood vessel walls are less inflamed, then there's less need to protect it, so there's yeah. less need to have that plaque and, there. And, but the effects are almost immediate. By the, by the 24 hours, you can measure, there's measurably different, your blood vessels are measurably healthier. By your second, by your second sauna, you can measure the uh, nitric oxide, the same stuff they put in the race cars. You, that also improves our blood vessel walls. You can that, that level is higher, so the blood vessel walls are actually um, more healthy. To put the put the body on, on a bit of uh, um, nos and yeah. uh, <laughs> hit it with some nos, and you're away to go. That sounds good to me. Uh, yes, yeah, all so. of the, all of the petrol heads out there know exactly what we're talking about right now. Um, Okay, so that's that's fascinating. Now, with an autoimmune disease, where the uh, where your immune system is actually attacking your body. Okay, now that's really interesting. This is this is surely, surely. <laughs> Bruce is just itching to talk about this. Surely, boosting the immune system is boosting the thing that is attacking you. So wouldn't it be just counterintuitive to do a hydrotherapy treatment that boosts your immune system when you have an autoimmune response? It would to our way of thinking it is, but we we are actually our 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 thoughts are pretty dumb compared to the body. When you consider that there are <laughs> I'd like there, that. It's our body's very intelligent, but we're dumb. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. Oh. Um I, you think there are 300 different sorts of immune cells just in our bodies, and they all they all combine like they're a massive team. And so what they'll find, say, I've got rheumatoid arthritis in my left knee, what's happening is my immune cells are attacking the joint capsule on my left knee. Okay, that's a fairly simple autoimmune disease, but it applies to all of them exactly the same. Some protein or part of our body is being attacked by the immune system. And so what during that immune surveillance when we start, it will find, especially the dendritic cells, the local dendritic cells will say, hang on, that's actually part of our body. Why exactly are we attacking this? There doesn't seem to be any problem here. What, what are we doing this for? And so during the resolution phase, just 48 hours later, they'll, they'll, be, produce, they'll be telling lots of these regulatory T cells, they call them, which are like guard T-cells to say, don't attack that knee, and they will actually go around and destroy anything, any other T-cells that are attacking the knee. So you end up, um, and they they call it tolerance. You tolerate, you, you now tolerate that 
that knee joint. And so the joint capsule anyway. And so what's happening is the resolution phase is much more important than the attack phase, which is important in a in an infection. You want attack. You know, just, attack. just 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 attack, so, attack, attack, attack. So you just breed lots of say killer T cells and yeah. go out and kill the virus. Whereas with the uh, autoimmune, it's not the attack phase, it's the one that comes it's after. It's the resolution of it. And so Yes, it's still the immune system. So the immune system has a whole um, repair and regeneration phase. Every every healing all comes from the immune system. So it's um, the immune system has this vast healing and repair, which is, I think, the most important part for the for the modern day. That's what we need. We need that rest, repair, um, and it's smart enough to decide, and that's what's amazing is these little the dendritic cells are smart enough to say we should attack that or we shouldn't. It'll find a, a germ and it'll say, yep, we should attack that, but we shouldn't attack this. How does it know that? this? It's incredible. And they, they just all talk to each other and they mess around. And so at 48 hours, at the third, you end up getting an endorphin burst. Your body says, I feel really good. Brain, you go and concentrate on other things. We'll handle this because they can do it, and they can do it in a really nuanced way. And this is what is so um, why we find it so hard to treat with medicine because medicine is sort of we'll change that protein. Basic, that's what they're doing now. It's a blunt instrument in comparison. Because yeah, because there's no nuance in it. Whereas your body says, well, you know this. We'll attack. We'll we'll look after this bit, or we'll only attack here. Here, or and yeah, it's a. All drugs are miracles. It's a miracle they work because it's so compared to the way the body does it. So it's primitive. So primitive. Yeah, fantastic, Bruce. It's amazing stuff. I, I could sit here and talk to you about this all day, but uh, we do have to move on with the show. Um, before we finish off, people want more information. Where do they go? I have a website called. Uh, thermotherapynow.org. That's all one Okay, so word. thermotherapynow.org. Which has, it hasn't got much on the autoimmune stuff, but I'm seeing lots, I'm seeing a number of autoimmune diseases. And so thermotherapy now, and I, um, yeah. Okay, thermotherapy now is the place to go. And uh, there's a way that the people can contact you through the website, is there? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay, there so you can contact Bruce and talk about uh, other details there. So that's uh, Bruce Thompson, our resident expert on hydrotherapy. Uh, right now, we're going to move on with the show. Um, we're going to have, uh, after this song, we'll have the 8 o'clock news, and we'll be back with Encounter with God. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM. <laughs> 